CB On Air, cutting-edge conversations with those in the central banking community. Hello and welcome to Central Banking's first podcast on our new CB channel, CB On Air. I am Rachel King, Reviews Editor for Central Banking. This will be the first in a series of podcasts looking at female representation within the central banking community when we're going to speak to prominent women within the community about the issues surrounding gender imbalances within central banks, what they should be doing to improve diversity and some personal stories from our speakers. My guest today is Mary Daly, who is uh, Executive Vice President and Director of Research at the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. Thank you very much for joining us today, Mary. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, The issue of gender imbalance is not a new one for central banks, nor the wider economics profession. It's been around for a while, they've been trying to work at it, but it's not really had an impact. But over the past couple of months, it's gained momentum. And anyone who's been following the issue closely will know you've been kind of leading the charge. And I'd like to gauge from you why you think this issue is such an important one for the industry, and why central banks should kind of sit up and take more notice. Well, if we start with central banks, They are ultimately branches of the social fabric, the government in some cases, non-government in other cases, but they're essentially institutions of public service, and they should reflect the people that they represent. That's just a fundamental truth, I think. And when you look at central banks across the world, they don't reflect the populations they serve. So we are in a place, I think, to transform it and say it's about time that we get that done and we move forward on that. But we're fighting against the profession, which doesn't generate or produce enough economists of diverse backgrounds, be it gender or race or even socioeconomic status. So we have to fight the battle both in building the pipeline and in encourage people to work in central banks. That's great. Um, Recently, we found that there has been a rise in women taking economics degrees, but not then going into the central banking sector. I wonder whether you know why that is, or whether there's evidence to show that they're kind of directed off towards other paths, because you still get women going into accounting, um, economics law and things like that, but central banking is still very much kind of a closed door for them. One thing we know from just how people choose careers is that they look at the people who are already in them for role models. So we almost have this vicious cycle right now where we don't have many female role models in central banking. So if you're a young woman thinking about where you want to work and where you might be successful, you don't central central banking just doesn't pop into the mind so easily. So uh, another thing to think about, though, and and something that we reflected on in San Francisco when we had a problem even attracting brand new research assistants who come right out of undergrad, is that they perceived that the central banks were an old boys club. And we had to really lean against that perception, introduce them to the women who are there, but also give them hope or an aspiration that we're determined to change what central banking looks like so that... 10 years from now, it'll look a lot different than it is today. But we're going to have to start with that one young woman at a time. It's interesting that you mention role models and mentoring because we found that it is really important for young women coming through the institution. Um, does the San Fran Fed have a mentoring scheme? We have several ways we try to do this. So let me start by talking about when we hire a new economist, 
no matter what the gender, we put them with a mentor who is a more experienced economist on our staff. And that person's meant to help them just get organized in terms of publishing their papers, getting used to working in a central bank, knowing how to put their work forward most effectively, just watching out for them. We found for females who are brand new to our organization, this mentoring really helps. And that is true whether you've got a mentor who's a male or a woman who's mentoring you. It's the mentoring that matters. So then we translated that mentoring program into how we treat or work with our research assistants. And they come in, they're almost like apprentices. They come in right after undergrad, and we hope they'll go get PhDs, but they test it out with us. And we have mentors for them as well. And more recently, just starting this summer, we're bringing in interns. And interns will be people who are in high, uh, undergrad right now before they finish their bachelor's degree. And they're going to come into our organization, work with us for the summer, and see if they like economics, but also get some investments from us in terms of mentoring. And we hope those will be ongoing. So the people that come in and do their internship with you, do you see them come back after the six months and seek longer term roles with you guys or we have and that's actually one of the motivations for the intern program is you get people in it's usually in the summer so they work for you for three months if they're not completed with their school then when they do complete they would apply for these research assistant jobs or they can also apply to work in other parts of our bank they don't have to come to the research department they could work in bank supervision they could work in the payment systems offices but just getting exposure to the central bank recognizing that other people that look like them work there already and then getting that one-on-one time with people who could be their role models we've seen that really help so central banks have been making progress with this mentoring scheme i know that um, the bank of canada and the central bank of ireland also have a very active mentoring scheme Um, but there have been other kind of initiatives that central banks have been using to try and level the playing field for women so removing unconscious bias from recruitment processes making sure you have different panels i wonder if there's anything else that you think central banks should be doing to kind of attract the talent and to make sure that once they're in the central bank they do progress up through those roles well that's a great that's a really great question and i actually think we are effectively could split it into three stages. So stage that gets most of the attention is in the diverse interview slates, making sure that you get diverse panels and you're trying to hire fairly, making sure that you've uh, thought carefully about your unconscious bias. And I think almost every central bank is trying to do that part. But then there are the other two parts of the equation. The first part is just getting people to apply who have diverse backgrounds. And there I think the most, the strategy I see paying off the most is to get current central bankers at all levels, no matter if they're brand new or, or very senior, into schools, into high schools, universities, into the community and say, we want you to work with us. It's really about, I call it putting out the welcome mat. We need to roll out our welcome mat and invite people into our homes and say, we would like to know what you think. You don't have to bend yourself into something special in order to come to our home. We would like you to be here. So that welcome mat really is something that I think we're doing in the Federal Reserve System and especially in San Francisco to try to attract people to apply to our jobs. But then on the other side of it, so now you've attracted them to apply, you've hired them on, then what happens in terms of their progression? And there we see another stark reality, which is men and women start in about the same proportions oftentimes, even in pay, and they diverge over time. So what's that? What's going on there? And so what we've started is something we call a sponsorship program. Now, sponsorship and mentoring are closely related, but they're not the same. The sponsorship program has this idea that 
people have responsibility to increase their networks, know people who don't look like them, who don't think like them. And then you advocate because you know those people. You say, oh, when an opportunity comes up, I see Rachel would be great for this, or I see uh, Jane would be a good person for this. And so it's really about getting both men and women engaged in advocating for people who they know. And it's called strategic networking and sponsorship. And I think that's the key to moving people up in their careers. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned women kind of coming into the central bank and taking up roles in various departments because we've seen a lot of women going into kind of HR, communications, occasionally into kind of um, payment system development, but we very rarely see them go into economics and research or the deep policy subjects. And you're kind of a black sheep in this regard because you are head of research at the Sanford Fed. And I was wondering whether anywhere along the road you were kind of pushed that way or supported in that way and whether that could be replicated for other women kind of going into the bank and not really realizing that economics is an avenue for them. Well, I had a PhD when I went to the bank, so economic research was where I was going to go. But Mm -hmm. I think the question is a a good one. I don't... feel like I was pushed to go in the direction I've gone in, but I was certainly encouraged and supported in doing it. And what I admired about the people who were helping me is that they were just thinking about who among us, and that could be more than one, who among us could eventually lead the organization. And when I expressed an interest, they encouraged me by telling me, here's the skills you will want to develop if you're going to be the head of research at some time. And I think that's the missing piece, is that we don't, these things take investments, and you need help along the way. And so it's a two-way street. It's about you as a female asking, what help can I get? And then having a a good set of individuals around you who do help you, and I was lucky in that regard. And of course, it didn't hurt that Janet Yellen came and became the president of the San Francisco Fed and gave me a direct role model who I could work directly with, and then she went off to chair the Fed. And that has been something that I've been able to watch and see see how she's developed, and of course, anyone would want to follow in her footsteps, but I've used that model to help others who are coming up behind me. Okay, uh, you mentioned Yellen. Do you think there's a Fed presidency in your future then? Well, I can't predict the future, but what I would say is it would be an honor to serve in that capacity. It's been an honor to do any of the work I've done for the central bank um, system in the United States. And I just really like central banking in general. I think they are public service institutions, and being able to work in any capacity in one of them is a, is an honor. Okay, so I want to kind of move to the other side of the argument now, where if nothing changes if central banking continues along the path it's going down and women continue to be kind of not blocked but just don't kind of enter through the doorway um will there be policy implications yes so we cannot actually allow that to happen that's my view and the reason is that to make the best policy to have policy that really is the optimal policy, the most thoughtful policy, the most efficient policy, you need a diverse set of voices. If you don't have a diverse set of voices, you end up in an echo chamber. Echo chambers typically result in policies that don't have as much vision, don't have as much effectiveness. So we need those diverse voices. Gender is only one kind of the diversity, but we definitely need that. And then we need diversity of all other kinds as well. I, I believe and I think the evidence shows that policy requires Uh, diverse thinking in order to be best. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about your story and how you've got to where you are now. Um, Could you kind of talk me through your process of choosing 
central banking as a career path from university. You mentioned you had a PhD, so you're always going to go into economic research. But why why the Sam from Fed? Why central banking? No, that's a good question. So in the United States, and actually worldwide, economists go on the job market once a year. If you get a PhD, there's a yearly job market for university jobs, for Federal Reserve jobs, for central banking jobs generally. So I went on that market. And I was always interested in a public policy slash research role. I wanted to be able to blend both. So when the central banking job became available and I applied to other jobs within this Federal Reserve system, that was almost like a dream come true because it's very research-based. It's bringing the evidence, but it's also bringing it to policy, which I wanted to see a direct result of my work. It's not enough for me to simply publish my papers in a journal. I enjoy that. Who wouldn't? But I also want to use them for something that I can see tangible affecting individuals. So being able to put the people equation part with the research part of the my work just was perfect at the central bank. And I've Every year, if you're a good economist, every year you ask, am I in the right place? Should I re-optimize, as we like to say? And I've looked at that every year, and I've always chosen to stay. So if you were kind of going to give words of advice to economic students now looking at their career path, why would you say to them, choose the central bank? Well, the nice thing about working in a central bank, no matter which one you would work at, is that the policy questions that come up because we're dealing with the aggregate economy, we're dealing with individuals' lives, we're dealing with how countries operate. Those are super interesting questions. So you're always on the cutting edge of questions that need to be solved, practical problems that need to be solved, and you have to bring your best tools from your research in order to solve them. So it gives you a constant uh, feed, basically, of of ideas. And then you're the detective, and you're using the best data, the best models, the best thinking in order to answer those questions. So I find that to be... very exciting. I never, there's never a dull moment. I think that's the kind of work that many, many people would enjoy. And how do you think a woman's voice would change the way central banks go about their research if you think there would be a change at all? Well, I think that we've already seen aspects of that change. There are other women in the Federal Reserve System, not just myself, who are research directors. And two female Fed presidents right now. And I think Janet Yellen as chair and vice chair and president at one point of the Fed had an influence on the research department. And it's more about the fact that they come with a different perspective than their male colleagues. And that perspective often will be just to look at something slightly differently than the other people in the room. To ask the question, did we think of this? Did we think of this other thing? And it doesn't always have to be, you know, Janet is famous for asking, well, what about the unemployment rate? What about the people behind this number that we see? And that's really important. But she could equally as well ask, what about the underlying data on inflation as opposed to aggregate inflation? It's just a different perspective because you're not there in the room with people constantly. So this diversity of voices, I think, matters. But I, I think it is true that that the women who I've known tend to ask what's behind the numbers we see. We spoke about some of the policies that central banks have implemented to kind of level the playing field. One of the more controversial has been hard targets. So the European Central Bank is one of the big central banks that have these hard targets and commit to a certain percentage of women in these senior roles. And we had an interesting debate the other week about whether these are necessary to get the ball rolling. So I was very much on the fence about having them there because I think you then almost hire people for the sake of hiring people. 
But I would be interested to know what your thoughts are on targets, whether they are necessary for now or whether you're against them completely. Well, they're not something that we have in the United States. And we've thought, and, and they're not something that I've aspired to have in the Federal Reserve in San Francisco. I do think in place of hard targets, one has to make a commitment. One has to say the campaign we have at the Federal Reserve in San Francisco, not just in the research department, but for the whole bank, is diversity, no excuses. So we've held ourselves to, if you can't hit population shares in your hiring, then you have to explain why. And here's an example. We were we're unable currently to hit 50-50 gender balance in our economist hiring because only 30% of PhDs granted in a given year are female. So it's going to be almost impossible for us to hit those targets unless we're digging deeply into that pool of 30 and other people aren't getting anything. So that's something that we say, we can't hit it today, but if under a no excuses policy, what would I do? well, I'm going to go back into high schools, into undergraduate institutions, I'm going to try to build the pipeline so that we get that 30% up to 40%, and then we get more and more people. So you have to have sort of a longer view, I think, if you don't have hard targets, and you have to put yourself on this no excuses policy. For us, it also meant changing how we thought about hiring and what we thought about offering in terms of uh, jobs and positions, because women were coming to our place and wanting something different perhaps than the standard option that we were offering and we've thought carefully about that and made some made some modifications in terms of our jobs in order to attract more diverse people generally and women in particular. I don't know whether you can go into slightly more depth about the modifications you've made to your jobs at all. So if you think about jobs, one way that central banks have traditionally thought about jobs is that you come and you never leave. You work there for your lifetime and that's how you grow your career. One of the things we recognized is that women in particular will move around for the spouse and now we're seeing more men move around for their spouse and so we're not as worried about people staying for their entire lives and we work immediately when they get there to make sure that we're investing in them so that they become competitively marketable wherever they go it's also good for our brand right if you come to san francisco fed or any other fed and you do two or three years of great work that helps us you develop yourself and if you go on and work somewhere else that's good for us. So we, we just changed how we thought about it. Instead of lifetime employment where you go up a stepladder, it is more we're investing with you now. We want you to be the best you can. You do your best work. And if you leave us in three years, that's okay. So there's almost got to be this culture shift, not only in women asking for more once they get to the central bank, but also from the central bank internally. I think that's essential. That, And that's what we're learning, I think, as we get is we really make a commitment to diversity, is that there has to be a cultural shift. So I think of this in the following way. In order to get to diversity, to change the numbers, you have to change your culture and be more inclusive. And inclusion means meeting people where they are. I had referenced earlier inviting people into your home. The way I think of it, or the way I like to say it, because it's a good reminder to myself, is the profession in central banking has traditionally invited people into our homes and then made them behave in a way that makes us comfortable. And now we need to invite people into our homes and let them change what our homes look like. And that would mean changing how we do our business, changing how we think about things, and importantly, making them comfortable so that they bring their best selves to work. 
And how should central banks go about communicating this change? Because notoriously, they're not the best at communicating to the public at the best of times. So how do they get <laughs> this voice out there to the public, to the people they're wanting to hire to say, we are here, we are looking for applicants, please come and apply, don't be afraid, we're not expecting you to stay here forever. Well, you absolutely have to do that kind of advertising. In fact, I, I think we have to market ourselves. We have to tell our story. One way to do it is on social media. Another way to do it is to get out in the community, to actually send central bankers into the communities at all levels, you know, volunteers into the schools, people to give talks and speeches in the communities, people to encourage young people at university to come. But I also think these campaigns, uh, in the United States we have this famous campaign called I Am An Engineer. And this I Am An Engineer campaign was women taking pictures of themselves, selfies, saying I am an engineer, and when they put them up on billboards. What you saw was there are many, many faces that are who are engineers. I want to run a campaign. I am a central banker. And essentially have all these people from diverse backgrounds backgrounds who in their tenure, maybe some have worked there 15 years, maybe some have only worked there one year, maybe people decide they'll leave in three years to go have a family or, or go some do something else. Those should all be our pictures. We should be proud of each and every one of them. And if we market that, if we just, we don't even have to market it, we just have to share it. If we share that story, we'll get more applicants and we'll have a more diverse bank. I think that's a really good idea. So my last question for you, uh, there are a number of senior positions opening up next year in the central banking community. So Mark Carney's leaving the Bank of England, Christine Lagarde's leaving the IMF. There are a couple of Asian central banks who also got new governors and the ECB were obviously losing Draghi. Now, one of the names that's kind of flagged around for Draghi's job is Claudia Buch from the Deutsche Bundesbank. I'm not going to ask you whether you think she has a shot, um, but do you think next year we'll have prominent women in these high places or do you think that the status quo won't have changed? Something I've learned from being in a central bank is it's never uh, very helpful to forecast because you're almost always wrong. But so let me say it differently. Let me say that I would hope that in all of these deliberations that put new people in these positions, that in these deliberations, the diversity uh, voices is recognized as an important contribution and that it's seriously taken. And then the outcome will be less uh, important in many ways than the thought because that's where we are right now. Where we are right now, in my opinion, in, in central banking is to bring to the forefront of the deliberations of who's in charge or who's leading these teams the idea that diversity of voices matters. If we can have that part in the public debate, then I will think that'll be a big accomplishment no matter who they choose to lead. That's really great. Um, unfortunately, that is all we have time for today. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Mary. Thank you, Agreeing, for being our uh, podcast guinea pig. Hopefully, your words of wisdom will have inspired some young economists to enter down this central banking path. That would be great. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, to our listeners, thank you very much for listening to our inaugural CB On Air podcast. We'll be back with our next guest soon.